Hello and welcome to episode 88 of the Replacement Level Podcast. I'm Ross Carey. Thanks for listening. Thrilled to be joined right now by Sweeney Murdy. Sweeney covers the Yankees for WFAN. He's also a regular contributor on MLB Network and SNY. Sweeney, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. Sure. Thanks for having me, Ross. Well, Sweeney, I ask everyone this right at the top of the show. Tell me what initially got you into baseball in the first place. Well, it's funny. Uh, I, I always like to answer this question. I'm not in baseball, I'm in radio. You know, if, if my radio station changed to formats to a country station tomorrow, I'd be in country music instead of baseball. So uh, the station I work at is all sports, and I was lucky enough to join there almost 25 years ago. And uh, um, we covered all sports. Baseball was always my favorite as a kid. And I had an opportunity uh, late in, in 2000, I found out that there was going to be an opening on the Yankees beat for our station when Susan Waldman transitioned over to a talk show at our station. So I inquired and uh, got the job. And now I'm beginning my 18th season doing it. Were you a collector as a kid? Were you into baseball cards? Yeah, yeah. Big uh, card collector. Still have have tons of them uh, in my basement, my parents' basement. Uh, some of them, my, some of my uh, better ones are, are in a frame up on the wall in my office. And, uh, you know, they've... Uh, They've, been, they've all managed to survive, yes, absolutely. Uh, at old magazines, old programs, yearbooks, things like that, they've, uh, they've survived along the way, too. Well, let's get into the Yankees. They, of course, made a change at manager this offseason. They replaced Joe Giardi with Aaron Boone. What is Cashman expecting Boone will do different than Giardi? I, I think, you know, when you look at someone who's been there for 10 years, sometimes you need a uh, fresh set of eyes on things. There were some issues. I think a lot of people like think that, you know, Joe Girardi absolutely had to go. Why else would you fire him? Well, you know, his contract is up. And if you wanted to resign him, you were probably going to look at a four year deal worth, you know, $5 million, four or $5 million uh, per year. So, um, it's, it's worth thinking about, okay, do you want to sign up for another four or five years of this marriage? And I think that's what they took stock of, uh, decided as they were moving into a more collaborative effort with the analytics department and just wanted more collaboration with coaching staff, analytics, front office. Um, I think they felt they needed to to uh, go find somebody else, and, and Boone was their man. Was there genuine tension between Cashman and Giardi at the end? I don't know about genuine tension. I think everybody, when they hear the manager gets fired, they want there to be this laundry list of things that he did wrong. And this person can't stand that person. So you've got to go. And I just don't think that was the case this time. Why do you think they chose Boone? I I think he came across very well in his process. And a lot of the people who interviewed did. But as he went through the different departments and the different people who were involved in the process, you know, nobody seemed to come up with anything negative about Aaron Boone, um, either really before the process or, or after the interview. Uh, he came across very well and uh, showed you know, just an aptitude for the job. So he's never done the job, so there's certain things that are going to, um, you know, I'm sure in, in real game speed, challenge him a little bit. Um, that's why he's got an experienced pitching coach like Larry Rothschild. He's got a guy who managed in the minors uh, in in, uh, Phil Nevin, who was there. Uh, Josh Bard, who's um, a very bright guy, has done a number of different things around front office and coaching staffs, is his bench coach. So 
he's surrounding himself with people who uh, can can help in that process. And like I said, it's everything seems good right now, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, you see how how things happen, how people respond when you make a bad pitching change or, or a pitching change blows up on you, let's say, or you blow a three-run lead, or you get swept three straight at Fenway Park, you know, six games out on June 1st. You know, those are the kind of things that you you see how people respond. And uh, you know, so far, there's nothing that tells you Aaron Boone can't handle what's in front of him. And the players will tell you whether or not you're doing the job. The Yankees, of course, earlier in the offseason made a big trade for Giancarlo Stanton. What are the expectations with Stanton, just in terms of how he fits in? There's a bit of a surplus with outfielders right now. Someone's going to have to DH every day. Is Stanton okay with that? And where do you see him hitting regularly in the lineup? I think um, the expectations are probably, what, 75, 80 home runs? That seems reasonable, yeah. Before the All-Star break? Yeah. Um, I think... uh, I think what what's really good about Stan is he has a track record, you know. I mean, and his track record's, record's a little odd because of uh, his inability to stay healthy for a full season. So um, that's a little spotty, but I think you you understand the kind of play you're getting, and Yankees hope that he can um, just repeat his ability to stay on the field the way he did last year, um, playing over 150 games for the first time in his career. Now that's where the DH role comes in. He is going to occupy it some of the time. Aaron Judge will occupy it some of the time, and uh, and they'll split right field. There will be times when both of them can be in the outfield, one in right, one in left. Brett Gardner sits. Um, there there will be uh, some opportunities for that. But um, I think that they were presented with a situation where the guys fell into their lap based on his his. I don't want to call them demands, but his ability to to um, uh, veto a trade, the no trade clause, and, and where he was willing to accept a trade, and the Marlins' desire to move him now. So a lot of things got uh, shifted right in uh, to where the Yankees could uh, could nab him. Whether or not they felt it was a an absolute need, there's there's it, it's hard to argue that it didn't make them better when you consider the acquisition cost and uh, and the type of player that he has always shown he could be and showed that he was last year. It uh, certainly makes the Yankees uh, a very imposing lineup. Do you expect him to hit third and Judge to hit second on a regular basis? I would expect that Judge will hit second and Greg Bird will hit third and Stanton will hit fourth. Um, we'll see. There's, a, there's an exhibition game. He's playing his first exhibition game on Wednesday, and we'll see what kind of that... That doesn't tell you a whole lot because not everybody's going to be playing, but you know maybe they get a first little look at, at how that lineup goes together. Um, but you know, Boone has hinted that he could split the lefties, uh, split the right-handed bats up with a lefty. He has, and, and let's remember, Greg Bird last year started the year at the Yankees' number three hitter. They've always thought very highly of him. An injury derailed him, and then he came back strong uh, at the end of the season and in the postseason. You know he's going to be a big part of this. Uh, we talk a lot about the right-handed bats with with Judge Stanton and Sanchez, but Bird is so very highly thought of, and it would not surprise me to see him occupying what I I like to call the best real estate in all of baseball, batting between Judge and Stanton. 
Judge, of course, had a historic rookie season, and he did it really shattering the expectations that were around him, both the public projections for what he was capable of and what he was expected to do this year, and I'm sure the internal projections what the Yankees had on him, he exceeded those as well. Going into this year, do you expect some regression from him? You know, it, listen, if you if you told somebody that he was going to hit you know, 28 home runs in his rookie year, Yankees would have been thrilled. Um, he busted that by the All-Star break just took off to another level, obviously, um, that we have not seen around here for a long time. So um, I think I think you temper expectations. When we say regression, I mean, if he hits 44 home runs this year, does that mean he regressed? Um, I, I don't think you'd call it that. I mean, uh, if, he hits, if he hits 48 home runs this year, 49, does that mean he regressed? Um, I, I think you have to look at him as a guy who – if he can stay on the field, and a lot like we always talked about with Stanton, you know, staying on the field for 150 plus games is how you put up those kinds of numbers. And I don't think it's that easy to do for bodies that big. The DH role will certainly try to help that, but um, there's a lot of wear and tear during the course of a season, and these are these are big boys throwing themselves around the field, and it's hard for people to just stay healthy and in one piece, and not just by by freak accident miss two weeks because they pulled something. So uh, I think that is going to have a big say in what they do. Um, I'd be, I'd be shocked if he played 150 games and didn't hit, you know, 40 plus home runs. But again, I don't, you know, I wouldn't consider it a massive failure if he finished with, you know, 39 home runs this year. I, I think you just have to understand how hard it was to do what he did last year. and. Uh, you know, it's, it will still be impressive, even if his home run total falls off by a little bit. Right after the season, he had surgery on his shoulder, and it was bothering him a bit during the summer, and obviously he played through it and ended up having the great September and uh, you know, a little bit of August in there as well. He was just dominant, but he did have surgery. He said recently that it's still bothering him a little bit. He doesn't expect to be fully healthy until opening day. What do you think? you think he's just going to get healthy by playing, or does he need to rest? Based on everything that I've heard from Judge, and I didn't hear this particular interview that led to the story you're talking about, I think, based on all the times that I've talked to Judge in the last couple of weeks and, and just like how the Yankees are approaching this, I think what that really means is that you know he hasn't played yet since the surgery. So to sit there and you know, it's not that he's not 100%, but he, this is still all part of the you know, uh, the rehab process, getting to game action, and then getting through exhibition game action, which doesn't count, and getting ready for the regular season and being prepared to play on opening day uh, for the game's account. So I, I think that's what all that means. I have never, listen, he, when it was clearly aching and he was striking out at alarming rates and, and you know, going through weeks of struggle, he did not once tell us that his shoulder hurt him do we think now that a couple of days before he plays his first exhibition game he's going to admit to somebody that it bothers him a little bit i i think that there was just reading between the lines happening there so you know we'll see you know he, he had a surgical procedure is is there going to be any you know sort of slow build from that i think that's what we kind of wait to see and see what happens in the bats he's taking during the course of the, the next four weeks Gary Sanchez has at times struggled with his receiving skills. He's had troubles actually catching the ball. 
what can the Yankees do to work on his defense? I had a, a chat last year with Johnny Bench about this, who happened to lead the league in pass balls as a rookie uh, and had, I think, 60 wild pitches uh, on his ledger in his first year. We know Johnny Bench now is one of the greatest catchers of all time. Um, but those numbers early in his career stood out, which is why I want to talk to him uh, about that in relation to Sanchez. And basically, you know, he, he referred me to the title of his book, which is Catch Every Ball. Um, and that's kind of just what you have to learn how to do. Um, there is a certain element of concentration in, in calling the pitches, and, uh, but there is also um, you know, the idea that this is a very hard staff to catch. And I've heard other people who are very well-regarded catchers tell me that when they look at the Yankee pitchers, this is not a very easy staff to catch with everybody throwing 100 and everybody throwing crazy sliders and uh, things like that. So um, for Sanchez, who's been a big league catcher for a year and a half, um, there is is, uh, more to improve there. He certainly needs to do it. The staff is counting on him. The Yankees are counting on him to be behind the plate for a majority of the time. So um, if struggles are going to be prolonged, this is going to be problematic. But, you know, um, I, I think it's just putting in the time, putting in the work and, and hoping that it pays off. The Yankees tried to add Garrett Cole earlier in the offseason. They missed out. It seemed like they were close, but ultimately he went to the Astros. Are they content with where their starting rotation is right now? I think they're, they'll be okay with, if they're starting five that they project right now stays healthy, I think they're perfectly fine opening the season with them. But um, as the year goes on, you look to see what needs to be done. I, I think pitching help is what everybody is going to be looking for uh, at at a certain cost. Obviously, the Yankees didn't acquire Garrett Cole over the Astros because they determined the acquisition cost was too much for them. Um, so I still think that that is some, an area where they can fortify uh, at the deadline or closer to, uh, to the deadline, and much like they did with Sonny Gray a year ago. But with the remaining free agents not really attracted to them at the current prices and you know, the asking prices for, you know, for example, Garrett Cole, having known what they were, uh, I, I think they're they're okay um, standing pat for now, but I don't think anybody would ever use the word content. I know Brian Cashman probably would. The Yankees did make a nice acquisition last week. They traded for Brandon Drury from the Diamondbacks. Uh, they expect him to be their starting third baseman. Is that correct? Yes, that is. Uh, he he considered himself a natural third baseman. They acquired him with the idea of playing him at third base and not moving him around. They do like the fact that he can be moved around and and has some versatility but i think um the general feeling is that he, uh, they're going to maximize him and he's going to be more relaxed um by being a regular third base well with drury at third and dd at short does that open up second base for gliber torres do you think he wins that job right out of camp i think gliber torres has always looked at, at the guy who you know fit more second base than third base as you try to figure out who in camp was going to be taking those roles, you know, before the Drury trade. Um, I, I don't want to get caught up in opening day versus regular second baseman. Um, you know, I, I, you know, it's already been uh, published that, you know, the, the idea that two weeks in the minors will save the Yankees a year of service time. Brian Cashman has denied that this is part of their thought process at all. Um, but if, there is any you know, if you get to the end of spring and Glaber Torres isn't hitting 460, you know if he's hitting 
270, um, I, I think they can justify the fact that he just did not play a lot of baseball, uh, any baseball in the second half of last season, and they can bring him along um, a little bit slower, get him some more reps at AAA, which, by the way, is only a two at 200 bats above double uh, above a ball. I think they could. This lineup can absorb a lighter hitting player at second base, um, who could um, fill that spot. You know, if you ask me by the end of the year who who will have played the most games at second base for the Yankees, I will tell you it's Glaber Torres. I'm not convinced he's the opening day second baseman. Chad Green last season had a very dominant year out of the bullpen. The Yankees, one of their strengths is their bullpen. They have an incredibly deep and talented bullpen. I'm curious if you think that they will actually try and move Green back into a starter's role or if they'll keep him in the bullpen. Also, did he do anything differently that allowed him to succeed so much last year? Chad Green is working as a starter right now, but you know, barring injury, he'll get knocked back to his bullpen role because he was so good there last year. I mean, really just the fastball fighter combination was, was outstanding. And if you looked at where his rate stats were during the course of the year, he was, he was as good as 1996 Mariano Rivera. Uh, when you looked at things like strikeouts per nine, whip, uh, walks uh, to strikeouts, things like that. And he did it in a lot fewer innings. Mariano threw over 100 innings that year out of the bullpen. But the idea is simply that he was just as efficient at getting outs uh, as that 1996 version of Mariano Rivera was. Um, so that's an important spot if you're the Yankees and you don't want to take him away from that role. You know, you know. Again, they're stretching him out as a starter, but you know the Yankees didn't mess around then, and they're not going to mess around now. Adam Warren has kind of joked about this. He plays this game every year. He comes into camp with the idea that they're stretching him out as a starter, and then the season starts, and they, you know, they they shuffle him right back to the bullpen. You know, Green doesn't have that many spring trainings under his belt to have that happen to him, but you know, I understand what they're doing. Vent of injury, you have a couple of a couple more guys um, ready to go at you know, 80 pitches if you need be, but if you don't need them, then you throw them right back in their bullpen roll, and that's what the Yankees are doing here with, with Green, with Warren. Dallin Batances had a rough year by his standards. He struggled with his command. With the Yankees' bullpen being so deep, is he a guy that you think is a great trade chip for a mid-year acquisition? That's a good question. I Like, I, I, I didn't think he was untouchable this winter by any means, um, salary going up through arbitration. The Yankees have a good bullpen. Chad Green's emergence, um, having traded for Robertson and Kingley, could you figure out how to do that? But um, I, I, I don't think the I, you know, the uh, I, I, I know the ideal situation to present itself because it's still here. So um, I don't know if that's an in-season trade I would make because if you know. Put it this way: If he's pitching really well, then he is part of a of a huge strength of this team. If he is not pitching well, then you're not going to be able to trade him. So, i i would I would consider it a long shot right now. Um, I would think that you know his ability to, to turn this around, get off to a good start, is going to be key for the Yankees. 
And if he's pitching well, you know, they've got guys that have injury, that have uh, innings concerns. Um, not necessarily hard numbers right now, but just the idea that you want to maybe back off when you can. Guys who had big workloads last year, like Severino, um, uh, guys who have some injury concerns, like Tanakh or Sabathia, or guys who were just, you know, younger and hadn't seen a lot of innings like uh, be- before, like Montgomery. You know, you, you can. I don't think you look to subtract from your bullpen if you don't have to, um, you know, unless you're talking about this has, you are desperate for a starter and this is what it's going to take to get them. Um, still, I think all that's playing a lot of different scenarios that don't make a whole lot of sense right now. So I would, I would guess he's here. Despite adding Stanton, the Yankees have managed to get themselves under the luxury tax number. Do you see any situation or circumstance where they're willing to go over that number this year? They've gone this far, and and were able to do it. So, I I I don't see it. I mean, I could paint some crazy scenario where they are, you know, they're rolling along, and at the end of July, all of a sudden, get hit with a major injury that they need to make a replacement with, and and you don't want to waste what like let's say you have a six game lead or something like that. And you, or, you know, maybe that's not even too drastic. How about, how about you have a two game lead over the Red Sox at the end of July and all of a sudden one of your major players goes down and you've got to fill the void somehow. Uh, do you make the trade that adds payroll to the point where you're over that tax? I think they've, they've set this goal for, you know, they've talked about this for a good four or five years now. And they're at a point where they're there. You know, they've, they've done all the hard work shedding salaries and, and replacing them with talented players um, uh, at lower cost and gotten themselves in position to make this a reality. I would, you know, I mean, honestly, it's, it's like, um, it, it's like running 23 miles of a marathon and then hailing a cab uh, to finish the race. I just, I, I don't think they've come this far to just throw that away. Do you think adding Stanton and his salary this year takes them out of the Bryce Harper sweepstakes for next year? I don't know that. I haven't really gotten that far yet. Um, you know, I remember thinking a year ago, I said to somebody, I said, who's playing right field for the Yankees in, in two years? I said, Aaron Judge or Bryce Harper? And the answer was Judge and left, Harper and right. <laughs> um, I think that... They're going to add, I mean, they've had Harper in their sights, I think, for a long time for you know a lot of obvious reasons. Um, Stanton kind of fell in their lap. He was not part of the plan. So, you know, they'll lose Brett Gardner, and they, they put, you know, they have Aaron Hicks still as a true center fielder. You, I think you see how this DH thing develops this year. You're still kind of stuck with Jacoby Ellsbury on the roster is the problem. That salary number probably doesn't disappear. Even if you're able to make a trade, you're going to eat a big chunk of that. I think the idea of adding an outfielder at that kind of cost, it's hard to shoehorn him in right now because Ellsbury is eating up a spot um, and, and isn't you know really uh, giving anything there. So that's that's a part of the problem with the roster, but that's, you know, we've got a, uh, a lot of miles between now and then. I won't ever say never. Um, I've thought for a long time the Yankees have 
have geared a lot of things toward the idea of Bryce Harper being here uh, when he had free agency. So we'll see how they're able to maneuver these things as, as they get closer. Before we wrap it up, I want to ask you, uh, I want to get your thoughts on the Red Sox signing J.D. Martinez. The Red Sox won the division last year. The Yankees actually underachieved their Pythag record they, by a significant amount. I think it was like 10 games when you look at their run differential. Yeah. Um, normally, when teams have a difference, it's a, you know three to four games. To underachieve by 10 is a lot. They added Stanton. The Red Sox added Martinez. What do you expect in the AL East this year? I think a lot of that run differential or just a just a win loss record they they went through a stretch they lost they lost six games in a row in june and almost all of them were uh when they had been hit by a couple of pitching injuries and were bringing up people that just weren't big league pitchers and they ended up in these close games and were losing in extra innings and late when they just didn't have the the right personnel to to run out there uh, so that certainly hurt. I mean, if you just go three and three, all of a sudden you talk about 94 wins instead of 91 in that six game losing streak. Um, and then they ran into, you know, Cleveland and Boston. They played, I think, um, I think they played them both like 15 times in a stretch of four weeks in, uh, in August. And, uh, and they were better teams than the Yankees last year. So those, those, in that little stretch when the Yankees were still kind of recovering and hadn't hit their stride yet, you know, those are games that got away from them too. So those are the two stretches I look at that really define those, you know, that, that 10 game differential more than anything. Uh, They're improved this year, I believe, but um, you know, whether it's Boston, whether it's Cleveland, whether it's Houston, which of these teams got significantly worse? I don't think you can say that about any of them. So, um, J.D. Martinez helps provide a little more a little more power in that lineup again, and um, there's it, it, it kind of adds to the arms race type of mentality that um, the AL East was with the Yankees and Red Sox, you know, a decade and a half ago. Uh, you get this guy, we get that guy. We get this guy, you get that guy. That kind of thing. So um, I, I think that it's just intriguing to see how quickly these guys get out of the gates who performs well early, who doesn't perform well early, who rebounds, how quickly, and, uh, and where you're standing as, as these series hit. It's, um, you know, this is fun. I, I, I mean, they were very close last year. didn't materialize as close until late because the Yankees put on a big push in September. But if they're able to maintain uh, a, a really close race together, then uh, this, is, this is a fun baseball season. You've been listening to Sweeney Murdy. Sweeney covers the Yankees for WFAN. You can give him a follow on Twitter at YankeesWFAN. Sweeney, thanks so much for taking the time to join the podcast today. All right. Thanks for having me.